Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, featuring today's top directors sharing behind-the-scenes stories of their latest films and insights into the craft of directing. Please take a second to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Jan Demange's new crime drama, White Boy Rick. Set during the height of the crack epidemic and the war on drugs in 1980s Detroit, the film tells the true story of Rick Worsh Jr., a teenager who was convinced by federal agents to become an undercover drug informant in exchange for keeping his gun-dealing father out of prison. Seduced by the lure of easy money, he gets in too deep and becomes a notorious drug dealer himself. In addition to White Boy Rick, Mr. Demange's credits include the feature film 71, episodes of the series Top Boy, Criminal Justice, and Secret Diary of a Call Girl, and episodes of the miniseries Dead Set. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Demange spoke with director John Singleton about filming White Boy Rick. During their conversation, Mr. Demange talks about casting 15-year-old Richie Merritt as the lead, emphasizing experiential storytelling during the film, and how meeting the real white boy Rick allowed him to find the tone for the film. All right. Hello. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Thank you for coming. It's yeah. my first DJ screening. Uh, all right, give it up. First DGA screening, the first of many more. Um, this is the first time we've had a chance to meet. I, I, I love you. I love your work. I love 71. Um, thank you very much. And, um, I love yours. <laughs> thank you. Um, this is a great American film, man. You know, so, I mean, when you came in this, how did you, what was your mindset in terms of like coming into this? You know, being you're from France, right? Yeah, I'm f I'm I'm a Londoner actually, but I was born oh, in Paris. Okay. Yeah, I'm but French you're born in Paris, but you're a Londoner. Yeah, okay. a French passport holder, born in Paris, but raised in London. Okay, okay. But what was your what was your mindset in going into making an American film? You know, such an American film. Um, well, like you know, once I decided to take it on board, I had to research. You know, you got to get a sense of authenticity for the for the, for the place, get the context and tone. Mm -hmm. So it's just like when I did 71, you know, I'm not Irish. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Um, and, you know, you just got to dig deep. Mm -hmm. And uh, I spent a lot of time in Belfast. So I did that film and with this. I spent time in Detroit meeting people, meeting Rick in jail regularly and speaking to him regularly. And then it's really just photography, a lot of photography, news footage. Uh, you know, you can you can find so much news footage of the time, of the period. Mm -hmm. I find news footage I great. I love the way you use the music in this, man. Okay. You know, some of the stuff is like, um, not to get digress, but it's great you use mixes that basically did not even have a, a lot of the vocals in it. And if you know the music, you yeah. you're in the groove of it. Yeah, know? it's like uh, it was important to get a sense. I got I, I got someone to use to record vinyl for me. Old vinyl, mix it to the scenes, and then put it back onto digital for me, just to get a sense Very of that analog vibe. I, I was I, I, this is the second time I've seen this film. I, I saw it over at uh, Sony and Thalberg a couple of days ago, um, 
<laughs> it seems like you know hip hop very well. When you use this the, uh, the PSK the school yeah. of D tune, I just went postal. People, you, some of you may not even know who that is, but but it's I'm glad that fixed it. Brilliant. <laughs> I remember no, the, the soundtrack. That's one of the things like straight away I like, geeked out about the era. You know, it's, I sort of grew up with all this all this music, and uh, it was great to have an excuse to go and. And and use it, you know, and use the tracks that so many people have, have sampled since. Yes, yeah. and there's some little small Martisto. Anybody see uh, uh, that he was watching Serpico on TV? Yeah. You know, it's a small little thematic details like that to just help the storyline. Um, there's a directorial thing I was thinking about. I wanted to ask you was, you did this also in your first movie. You do it very well in this movie too. It's a there's a fine line between repertage and 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 being very stylized you know and and what you did very well well there's a great there's a good sequence in this picture where the the father and and, and rick go into the house and and it busts the sister with the, with the guy and then it goes all the way outside introducing the grandparents and everything and it, the cacophony it you're in the moment you're in the moment what what's your mindset in terms of like that thing in terms of doing that that because you did it a lot in 71 too, and you do it yeah, in this picture as well. It's just, I, I, I enjoy being immersed in something when something is um, experiential rather than told, mm -hmm. rather than covered. Mm -hmm. You kind of just, you, you know, you're, fucking, you're in it, you're in, you're in the middle of it, and, you're, and you, you set it up so you can be 360 and, mm -hmm. and, and just, um, yeah, and, it's in, and the camera behaves like a character in the scene a little bit. You know, you, you want to throw people in there. Bit like gaming, it feels very organic. It feels like it's you know, you're, you're really you're watching, you're watching a reflection of life. You, 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 you're basically a voyeur in it, you know? yeah. I, well, you know, I'm glad it had that. You know, it, it, I, I, I look at each scene and decide the style for the content, so to speak. So we, we didn't stick to one style mm -hmm. for the whole film, yes, because we felt like you know, we're going through seasons, you went through so much mm -hmm. that I didn't want us homogeny. Like just like just to kind of go, oh, that's so authored. It's one thing. It was nice to mix it up, mm -hmm. and there are moments like that where you just want to be, you want to get a sense of the chaos of it and be mm -hmm. caught up yeah. in the middle of it. You know, just like really in the heart of the chaos and and capture the energy of it. And just like, and, and the, just the capper at the end, he's like, we're going for custard. It's like it's indelible. Um, where'd you find this kid? I mean, Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, it was a two pronged attack. I How was it when you shot it? He's. 15, 15 He's, when I shot, yeah. When you thought she was 15? Oh. He was 15 during the shoot, yeah, it was a nightmare. <laughs> the days had to be so short, oh, you know. Oh, wow. you short. How many hours a day? Did eight, you hours, eight, eight hours, eight hour days, day. and okay. he had to be in school for God knows how long with him. But yeah, so it was a bit, it made, it was, it put a lot of pressure on the production. This is his first film? Yeah, yeah, he'd never acted before. I mean, I, I, like I say, it was a two-pronged attack. I went, I was looking, I was reading actors, mm -hmm. and there was a couple of great ones. Mm -hmm. There was one that was great, but you, you could tell he wasn't 15. You know, he's like 20-something years old. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know, I was looking at, uh, I approached this, Francine Mazer did the main casting, and then there's someone called Jennifer Vendetti who, who uh, cast American Honey, actually mm -hmm. uh, took care of the street casting. And they just looked at multiple states. And I was looking for areas where there were kids that you know there was genuine integration where there was working class white kids that did mix in African American communities where there was because you know when it's difficult for a, a young teenager to give a, tran a true transformative exactly. performance, exactly. and 
the kids that I were the, the kids I were meeting, they were great actors. You could just tell they hadn't really been around, you know, the African American community, and it just felt you could smell. It was like a kind of weird YouTube appropriation. It just like it didn't, you know, what I'm saying. And and so I was like, we got to find kids that are it as well, just in case, you know, that that's the better route. I wasn't sure which way to go, and it was, it, you know, even when we met him, I was a bit, you know, nervous. On, to be expected, and uh, but what I liked is the effect. I brought him into LA. I brought him to LA. He didn't know who Matthew McConaughey was. Never heard of him. It's great. It's great. I love it. And um, <laughs> I mean, the, the way they, they found him, the, the, the one of Gen Jennifer's scouts was at a principal's office in Baltimore, pitching him. And a lot of the schools know about street casting, the principle of it, because the Wire did it there yes. for many years. Yes. So, you know, she was pitching and saying, what's what we'll do, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, they're walking out of the office and the guy was like, well, and there was this kid waiting to see him. He's like, you can start with him. And that's the kid we ended up casting. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, and he, he, what, what was great was the effect he'd have on Matthew. Because Matthew could come in hot and, and, you know, but he was smart, Matthew. Straight away, we had a one-day workshop. And I was like, let's try this kid out. It, Matthew would like sort of home into the kids frequency yeah. and know that he'd have to be in the kids film exactly. like Matthew he, like the kid couldn't be in a Matthew McConaughey no. film it, so it sort of was interesting it sort of anchored Matthew and it anchored everyone around him when I tried him with other people and I was like okay he couldn't he didn't have a natural actor's instinct to sort of go this is my moment yes. or emote yes. or there are moments you know he, he sort of keeps you a He's quite enigmatic. And he I think his naivete. I think his naivete gave him even more power as the character. Yeah, because he was he was also I mean, his naivete as as a young person, but he's also a naivete in, in the world that he was going in to go into. Completely, he was just a kid, you know. Completely, like like a lot of people would like it to be an interesting gangster story, like a kingpin, but he wasn't. He was he wasn't a, at all. He was a dumb was kid. Dumb fucking kid. He was, yeah, and that was the, what. That was real Rick was, was just a dumb kid. Then that was the, also the strength in it, in the way that that he he performed it because it was just like he was just he was blase blase, you know. And that was beautiful. God, you feel that way? <laughs> no, no, I loved it because yeah. it was almost as if you you could just put the camera on his face, and then there's a thing that I do. Um, it, 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 when I, when I was in school, about to come out the school and doing Boys in the Hood, I I um, some of the best films I love were the, the, the Italian neorealist films. And what they used to do is they used to, to combine actors and non-actors. Yeah. And so I did that with my first movie, Boys in the Hood. Mm -hmm. And I've done that with different Hollywood productions. But, so I, I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. With getting this unknown kid and getting a, a well-known actor. And one thing I've found is that, you know, you know it's almost like, a, you know music very well. It's like different people have their own instruments. It's like, yep. you know, someone's playing bass, someone's playing someone's mm -hmm. playing drums. And like you say, Matt has an energy and then this kid has an energy yeah. and they work off each other. It's very, very, it's magic when you can get different people together, you know, and then have that. I agree. I mean, I love it. I mean, it's hard to find. Yeah. I, I love mixing. I've always mixed as well yeah. so far. Me too. I, the, the, the actor with the non-actor. I love more often than not the effect it has on the actor. It, yes. You know? Yeah, because there are certain actors that basically you're right. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna go to their 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 instinct, 
you know, the instinct that they think they have mm-hmm. towards what the material is going to be, but then it changes with the dynamics of the, of the elements that you put them in. There's, an element of, there's a gladiatorial nature to some of these leading men as well. They know, a gladiatorial nature. They know, they, you know, they know when they're gonna, it's their moment and they're fucking going to seize it sort of thing. And, and it's nice to, the kid sort of undercut that because he wouldn't, he wouldn't lean into that. And, but he, he'd do it just without realizing he yeah. was doing it. It's magic, but the best magic is 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 sight unseen. It's like you you don't see the you don't see the trick. You don't see the the prestige. Um, how how was it how was it like uh, recreating the whole the drug scene in Detroit? Have you have you heard of uh, I mean have you heard of uh, Young Boys Incorporated? Yeah, when you did bit, the research. Was, yeah, when I was researching, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you're researching it, you know. Well, didn't they didn't they sort of use them as the basis for New Jack? They, you know, that that was in no Young Boys is Detroit. Did you yeah, know? But um, New Jack was um was New, York. New York. There's all I these ripped, there's all these various um, pop culture different things of who was running whatever city in New York, Detroit, Chicago, L.A. through the eighties. Now, now it's kind of like a nostalgic lore of like you know the drug the drug the drug game and the drug wars are now kind of like. Uh, America's westerns, so like you know, now we're talking like thirty-four years of history, and so you have these pivotal figures who came up through that, and some of that, some people evolved in, in going into the hip hop, and then going into they different businesses and stuff. Huh? They, they huh? invested in hip hop. Some, some of them, some of them mm-hmm. were lucky enough. Some of them went into real estate, but it's really interesting how you, you um, um with those brothers, the, the two uh, little man and big man, how. You didn't linger on it. Mm-hmm. I love that that you didn't linger on it. That that the organization had been around for ten years previously. You didn't linger on the fact they probably were in heroin before, you know. But it just really worked, and I I, I just want to give you respect for that because I'm really really a stickler for like urban culture and how it is, you know, in film. I'm like, but the way you did it, you didn't you didn't make it didactic. You didn't have any speechified stuff. And um, it was a great that that scene where when he comes back after getting that charge and shooting up, shooting at the car, and he says, you know, he says, you know, you get time, you get white time. We us, what we get, and it's just just enough, it, and that's what made it so powerful. So I love that man, you know. Great, I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> Thank no, you. I mean, it means a lot coming from you. It can, you know, no, because it couldn't man. be a bigger authority on that one. But yeah, in that respect. But like, um, thanks. I mean, it was, it's it's difficult because in many ways I would have liked to spend more time with the Curries because, uh, not 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 to dwell on their 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 sort of CEO criminal enterprise. I mean, it was like they were running a they were really running a, a corporation. Business. Yeah, yeah it's, the it's huge. Yeah. But it was it was the family values because like he, you know, they came up from Arkansas, they like, like a lot of them from South, and 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 you know they, these these sort of deep family values. It was interesting to draw a parallel between the two families, but I didn't really have the real estate. There was so much plot and so much story, yeah. and and you know once I took it on board, even though for me thematically I took it, I took the story on board because of the family, the theme the, the theme of the family trying to survive this sort of abject poverty and this, this even landscape. the whole thing that they had police and political connections was done very, very well. It, you didn't linger on it. It was just there. It was like they were they were partying over there in England. They were they were incestuous. It was just it was just there. Yeah, I mean, once it's one of those like if you explain, if you're going to start to explain, you're going to you're going to lose them. That's going to be the whole movie. Exactly. Well, yeah. No. Yeah, you're going to lose them. 
mean, that party where, you know, everybody's just like, you know, grooving and stuff. And it's like, oh, that's such and such. That's such and such. It's like, and they just all, you know, chilling. They're doing their own thing. It was, it was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, um, I mean, hey, um, what did you, um, who, who, who shot this? Uh, Tat Radcliffe. I've been, I've been, I've been working with Tat for like thirteen years now. Did he do seventy one? Yeah, he's done everything. Okay. I mean, we've done. I do commercials with other people oh, okay, just okay. to play. But where's, where's, where is he from? Where's the deeper? London. London. Oh, it's London. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Same editor, same DOP for oh, thirteen from, years. Oh, wow. Good. Good. That's great. That's great. I mean, it, it flows very well. It's, just, um, it's, um, it's interesting how you. Um, you have created a continuity for yourself as a director from project to project. You know, the character, sorry to keep making a continuity for your first film from this one, but the character from your first film to this one is, is you know, is an outsider, you yeah. know, who basically gets into a certain world and, and it's dangerous and he basically, you know, how he's trying to get out of that world, you know, it's... You know, with with his life, and and this is it has similar kind of thematics in terms of like a person going into it's like going into death, you know, yeah. the journey. Can you talk about that? What, I mean, what makes you the, interested? The in, outsider. In well, the outsider is the bit that I well, I was actually sent the article for White Boy Rick a year prior to me coming on board, and I didn't connect to it. I didn't connect to the informant story, and uh, not on a personal level, the informant story and the drug dealer story. I thought it was fascinating. Uh, article, but I didn't. I passed on the rights, but then I got sent the spec mm -hmm. a year later, and I was like, "Oh, I know the White Boy Rick story. I'll read it." And then there was like the first ten pages had the father and son scene, and you could really get a sense of the kid as an outsider and the relationship with the family between the sister and the father. And then the father disappeared, but that, but that's what triggered a sort of personal connection to it. I was like, "Oh, I, I completely, you know, identify with being an outsider." And always, you know, I've always been an outsider myself. Like, like you know, sort of French Algerian, born in Paris, raised in London. There's no sense of tribe, no sense of place, no sense of a national identity, let alone, a, you know, a tribe. I could say I'm a Londoner, but my London is a, you know, it's a place that existed in the 90s. It's, you know, a cultural point, a moment that was transient, that's passed. You know, and I, so I can always identify with, that's when I, when I started seeing him that way. And that was, that was the same with, you know, the kid in 71, is that, that a boy that's looking for a tribe, that's looking for a sense of place and the paternal. And in many ways, he, this, this kid's looking for the paternal. He hasn't gotten out, you know, the father's present, but he's too busy trying to be his buddy yeah. than, rather than a parent. Mm -hmm. And these are all themes, you know, that's, that talk to me, like spoke to me about me and my father. And, and yes, absolutely, being an outsider. That's something, okay, I was like, this is a story I can tell once I found that hook. I mean, it's it's phenomenal how certain directors, if we're lucky, we're able to put as much as our personality or, or the themes that are important to us as people into our work. Um, sometimes we do it. Um, if we're lucky, we do it. We know we're knowing we're doing, you know, and then we can hone it thematically throughout the story. But if, sometimes serendipitously, we just do it, and then we find out, wow, I didn't know. I didn't know I did that. Yeah, you know, I've had that a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, definitely have it in, in, in this picture. Um, so, I mean, 
Um, you're doing you're doing the circuit, you know, and talking about the picture. Yeah, I mean, I just came off a shoot. I just shot a director pilot, and then I went straight onto the circuit. Okay. I'm a bit fried. But what what yeah. pilot was that? It's uh, it's called Lovecraft Country. What is that? It's called Lovecraft Country for uh, HBO. I just okay. Did it. Misha Green wrote it. It's my first bit of television here. Oh, cool! Congratulations. Yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah, I was trying to chase you last years. year before you shot this. Uh, um, no, no, no. Two years ago. Um, um, for my show Snowfall. Yes, that's Remember? right. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Remember? Yeah. We were trying to Thanks, get you man. to do, yeah. do the pilot because we, we, we changed up the pilot. And I was like, oh, this is the guy that they do. It. And it's like, I appreciate you, know, you, that. you weren't available. Were you doing this or were you doing Top Top Boy? No, Top yeah. Boy I'd already done like years before actually, but I was I was deep in oh, development. You were doing two years ago, but I was deep. We I was like you. knee deep in this and trying to, and, and at that time I was trying to develop an LA Riots film with the same team in 71. Okay. But it just didn't, we, you know, we spent a lot of time on it and we just couldn't find a way in. I wanted to do the Battle of Algiers in LA. And, but I couldn't find a personal, we just, we were the wrong. Battle of Algiers in LA, what was that? Was, what, what that would mean? have been the LA riots, 92. That's what oh, I was, oh, that, that, okay, that was kind that of my okay. take. That was the idea. I love the, I love the Battle of Algiers, man. Well, same, same. I mean, it's just, you know. It's I mean, you film. talk about a film that like just looks just it's I call it hyper reality where it's like quasi docu style but there's so much style in the picture well that mix is all non-actors my aunt's in that film oh my, really my aunt plants the bomb in the milk bar what yep she's Algerian yeah oh, okay only yeah. only uh, thing she's ever done wow wow that's beautiful man <laughs> yeah, so you're a part of film history well I mean <laughs> you know, it's Likewise. like tenuous but yeah I'll hold on to it I'll take it <laughs> Um, anyway, anything you want to talk about that I haven't um, covered? I, <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't. I was. I we can talk right everything about. There. I can talk about. I can linger just about the music in this picture because I, I, I told everybody involved in my show. I said, "Now see, motherfucker, this is how the music has got to be." Like <laughs> I, I've been like I've been. I went over when as soon as I saw this picture a couple days ago. I was like, I called up everybody. I said, "See this fucking movie? Excuse me for cursing this weekend." And then it's funny Thanks. that you say. That you that you guys got the vinyl because I know you know your shit. You got the vinyl and then you digitized the vinyl and you play because we had nothing but vinyl back then. We had twelve inches uh, singles back then, and there were no albums. Hip hop there was no there was no industry of hip hop. There was just it was just party records, and so it was interesting. Yeah, uh, sometimes your choices you know, in here when they show clubs, the sounds just too clean. It's like yeah, it's, and there's no pops. There's no yeah. It's know, like I mean, it's like shooting on you know the Alexa and not and not grading it or not putting a grain on it. Like you just, you want it to be a bit mm-hmm. dirty. You got to texture it. Exactly. You? And that's why we it just It feels thought, more organic. And it would be nice to just like, you know, I mean, we tried actually doing analog recordings off through speakers, but that was just, that was taking it too far. Seriously. <laughs> you're you're serious. I love it. You're serious. You know, but we f***ed around. Like, wow. I, I, I geeked out about it. It was a nice opportunity to like, to get records that you love and, yeah. You know, maybe we took the scratching too far actually because we were getting so into it, but you know, it was fun. But in those sequences, isn't it fun to like watch the way the audience reacts to, to the picture? You know, I haven't really, I haven't really so, had a so chance. some people have, have some people ch- know the music and some people don't do know the music. To some people, they know that music, and other people, it's just, oh, this is real, this is authentic. Yeah. You know, the different generations are going to react um, in, in various ways to watching the scenes. Some people just don't notice it, let's be fair. Um, yeah. someone, someone described it as a Grandmaster Flash facsimile, and I was like, well, you don't 
know no. what I'm talking about. Do you? No, you don't know. <laughs> it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. What else do you cool. want to talk about, man? Oh, is this how I it works? I thought they were going to push because you got to go to the academy. I didn't, I didn't come with like, uh, <laughs> I can answer some questions if you like. Uh, okay, anybody have questions? Probably have time for like two, maybe. Okay, you right here in the front. Yeah, I learned a lot from them. Like, stay out, you know, get out of the way. <laughs> Sometimes just shut up and let it happen. But, um, I mean, yeah, it was, uh, you know, they're legends. I, I listen to their stories and, and 100%, yeah. And it's also, you know, having people, you haven't got, you know, having someone in their 80s, you know, two legends. Darren, tell you anything about Raffleson? Sorry? The day, Darren, tell you anything about working with Bob Raffleson? No, no, you didn't, didn't, didn't talk at all. <laughs> yeah, or, or what on 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 the hateful? No, Bob Rufferson. Oh, so Rufferson, I thought you were way back in the day. Maybe okay, you weren't okay. probably even born. No, no we didn't. <laughs> I mean, he told me all sorts of stories. I can't like, <laughs> but um, but it's like having someone like that, then having a fifteen-year-old who's never acted, then Bell, like having these four or five people like that. That you know, the scene, Legends. the cuss of tart that was having. You know, it was tough because it was like everybody had a different rhythm of working and everybody, you got some people you could do multiple takes with, some people, you know, Bruce Dern's going to mic drop after two takes, so you better pick your moment to bring him in. And um, and he's not joking. You see the scene where he's walking out in the video store and Matthew brings him back? He'd actually had enough, he was leaving. Seriously, he sort of thinks at some point, if he's got nothing to say and you shoot too long, he's like, f*** this, I'm going. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, all right, next question. Who else? Okay, there's two biggies there. What was the first one? Does I start? Rick. Rick, yeah, Rick. Yes, I did, I did, I did. Um, I, look, it's a complicated, convoluted, it's like, so there's the article that I passed on Universal bought that, and somebody else is developing that. Then there was a spec that came to me that John Lesher had with uh, Robin Off at Studio 8. And then I'm developing it because I love the family story. I found my way in with the family story, but I'm going, my God, this is it's a nightmare because there are so many stories. It's a miniseries. I mean, you know, Rick had three kids by the time he was 17 with three different baby mothers. I mean, it's like the facts and the informant story are just endless and, and crazy, and they deserve their own show. Um, and you got, you know, you got a father-son story, a drug dealer story, a rise and fall story. You got your, your atypical, your very familiar uh, informant story, and and your brother and sister story. You're trying to balance all these strands, and I didn't have life rights. And I was like, I was about to walk away, actually, because I was like, I can't find a way through it. I mean, it's not, I don't know how you, you distill this into a movie. Unless you give it a voiceover and you, and, and you bind it with a VO. And I was, I was, and the original spec had one. And the first thing I did was take that out. And then it all fell apart. <laughs> and, then, um, and then it wasn't Darren. Darren wasn't developing it. There'd been another project written by Andy Wise, who Lee Daniels, I think, was going to direct at one point. Uh, many years back, like almost a decade prior. And I get a phone call from Scott Franklin that works with Darren. He's Darren's partner. And he's like, Yan, we found the one, the project that we're going to do together. Because after 71, I met with Darren and Scott and we were talking, we'll, we'll find something to do. 
He's like, I found it. He's like, what is it? He's like, the white boy Rick story. I was like, you're taking the piss, aren't you? I'm like, I'm on it. Yeah, you can't, you can't be on it. I've got the life rights. So I was like, Jeff was like, you know, do you really want to pursue? I was like, Jeff, I can't find a way through it. I'm going to have to abandon it or you're going to have to get me access because we don't have the article and I, and I, need, I need to know because I want to know about the family and I don't want to make it up. The guy, I've got a moral and ethical obligation to get this right. It's not like, you know, the, kid, the guy's in, in jail, he's still alive, there's a lot of stake um, and, he, you know, I don't think he's that bad a guy so I don't really want to do it this way. So we, everyone agreed and we, did, we created a marriage of the two projects and then I ended up with two scripts that were like, not quite working. <laughs> oh my god, I want to relive it right now. <laughs> so that was a, that was a year and a half. That's probably when you were trying. To, exactly. That's, that's right when you called. I had exactly. these two scripts. I was trying to like weld together, and I was, and it was difficult, you know. And, and it was essentially two films, like, and and at least, and and you you had it was that walk treading that tightrope of the film I wanted to tell thematically, the one that interested me emotionally, the emotional through line of the family. And then you have the obligation to land a sort of distilled haiku version of the facts, so people understand why he's there. Mm-hmm. And um, and then there there was a journey, and you know, then we were bringing other writers on board. And Rick was involved because I went to spend I went to spend time with Rick the minute we acquired the rights. And I, you know, when I sat down with him, I was the first person at that point. He'd been in twenty seven years to ask him questions about his dad and his sister and his grandparents. Because you know, all anyone cared about was the extraordinary informant story. But um, and then when he spoke about it, two things happened when I met Rick. He gave me a sense of tone because it, the tone was all wrong. When I met him, I realised he was so funny. And everyone he put me in contact with was funny. And it was similar when I did the the seventy one when I went to Belfast. There's something that happens in Detroit, but in the places that like. Hard. Hard. Hard, yeah. They got hilarious. Yeah, mad banter. Like, really, really fucking funny. And I was like, we've got to capture that. Wow. And not not give it sort of this privileged outsider's gaze of poverty, like they're walking around in sort of Dickensian uh, earnestness. And and you give me a sense of tone and, and, you know, and a few facts that I needed. (laughs) And, uh, And, yeah, I kept him involved, but I was at pains to explain I'm not your biographer. I'm helping him get in a biographer. We helped him get someone get a documentary made, and uh, I'm not your biographer. We are making a movie, and there's, there's, you know, there's some things that'll be painful, but ultimately, I hope there'll be enough emotional truth that you feel we do justice. And I kept him. I wasn't asking permission, but we, but we, um, he had to be on board for me to feel comfortable doing it. I mean, I, it was a particular one-off experience. Is there a moment? This is his question I want to ask you, Ben. Um, when you're working with non-actors, is there a moment when you're working with a person like that in the schedule where you're like, you're seeing the kid is really clicking into another level to the role? You know, I'm like, like, like you guys, you guys shot it out of continuity, correct? Oh uh, yeah, or, yeah. Uh, huh? yeah, yeah, unfortunately. But is it? But is there a place in which you you looked at this kid and you're like? Oh my God, he's much better than he was like two, three weeks ago. Like, yeah. It, um, what, what was that moment? What was that? Because that's happened that's to me. Like, before, can we reshoot the first three weeks? Huh? <laughs> but um, yeah, I can't. I can't remember the actual moment. But you could see him hitting his stride. Yes, and, and, as, and you're and schedu- getting, as you're scheduling, we were moving things around. Confident. Like we'd sort of, 
you know, with AD with Thomas and, you know, uh, Thomas Smith, AD that we'd, we'd be sort of going, all right, well, these scenes, we're definitely going to wait till he's warmed up. And we, we were scheduling, we were going, you know, we'll shoot this scene, this big moment right in the, towards three quarters in, just in case I need to do it one more, have another go at it exactly, and, yeah. and get him warmed up a bit. And yeah. But there was, I can't remember what the moment was, but after two weeks, he was starting to hit his stride. But it's also, I was starting to find the grammar for the film because I had to give up ideas that I had. Like, you should often happens when you start shooting a film, you start going, yeah, what is When did you do the gun scene? How, when did, the when did you do the gun, the gun show scene? When did you do it in the schedule, that one? Uh, that was like, that was about three quarters of the way in. Of what? That was three quarters of the way in. Like, uh, okay. Right, so towards the end. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I try to do the beginnings. Uh-huh. Yeah. Towards, you know, towards the end. Exactly. I, I yeah. keep the beginnings and the ends. Yeah, yeah. Nice. But yeah, but you know, he he, you start that was it. I had I had a style in mind, and I had I had grand plans or whatever, and, and there were certain things I couldn't get from him, and I had to lean into what 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 it was becoming aesthetically yeah. and tonally and with the performance, and it's like there's a point where he kind of you you using a music reference. It's like it became the metronome of the thing. How did it come up that you had the little kid come to the house? Where that idea come from? That was that was the original. That was the original. That scene was the original spec. The custard scenes was the original spec. It's the the, the Miller brothers. Uh-huh. They they had a <laughs> yeah. They had that sort of tone. But yeah, the that was always there. Though he was like dressed as a church kid, and I was like, that's taking it a bit far. But I love that. I love that moment because it's so. It was so organic and so unpredictable, you know. It was like, but it was, it was like what it should be, you know. It didn't take you out of the movie at all. It was like, you know, I was like, wow, okay, yeah. I'm glad you feel that way. But I mean, tonally, I was always, always. I found it, it was. It gets a bit high the comedy there, but it was like huh? that, that. The comedy, the the, the picture of the, the humor gets a little bit higher there. But but, but it was fun. Said, it was fun on the day. I have to say. But to your credit, you keyed into something that that I've always said people don't get I can I can only make an example of like you watch Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas right he does this ma- mafia epic and it's so f-ing funny it's good yes. comedy Goodfellas is comedy when and when you're when, when you're in an urban setting and you have a lot of hardship whether or not you're in, in, in Belfast whether or not you're in South Central Los Angeles or you're in East New York people who go through adversities so much adversity, economic adversity, you know, all kinds of stuff. They want to live. They want. They want to laugh. They want to love. And it's, it's really interesting how in a lot of uh, films, they don't capture that. They don't capture the the humor, the the celebration. You know, mm-hmm. celebration where there's all this other sh- shit going on, but they're celebrating life. And and you got that's what I really loved. What you really got that in this picture. You know. Okay. And just explain it. I mean, before I even brought it, you explained it to everyone before, you know. So I'm going to keep it in that rhythm. You know. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Anything else? Uh, no, I would. I, I I wouldn't make that sort of grand claim. I'm I'm sure. I mean, I took Matthew McConaughey to visit him in jail. I'm sure that you know, caused a bit of a stir. But things were happening anyway because someone passed away that, you know, was probably had it in for him for a long time and, and things were shifting anyway, naturally, I think. And this may may have been a contributing factor. But I wouldn't 
I wouldn't say we should take the claim, you know, claim it. What the, the process this of working tat? Okay, um, I I've been working with Vlasets for thirteen years. I mean, one of the main things we just like we want to try not to repeat ourselves, and it's just it's like a it's um, exchanging references. Um, we always try and come up with a sense, a sort of a tone book, a sense of rules. Um, we, you know, we assign lenses. We, we kind of geek out about things like that, really. And, and more often than not, we are, we, we may have a couple of scene, technical scenes boarded, but we'll, we'll usually just bring the actors in, block it, put it up on its feet, and, and call the coverage out to one another. And then, you know, and then the actors will go off and get ready, and we'll argue about it for a while. And, uh, and, and after the f you've done the first setup, you sort of inevitably go, all right, well, those three shots can go. And you start to, you sort of, it's quite, on this one, it's quite improvisational in that respect because you kind of got to react to the performances. Where did you two meet? Where did you two meet? Sorry, we met, we, okay, we did a commercial together in London about 13 years ago. We did a, a, a commercial for the French market for an anti-domestic uh, violence campaign. Uh -huh. And... Um, I loved his operating. It wasn't ever about the lighting, it was about the operating at that point. It was that he, he, he really had a sensitivity to mm. actors mm. and to the moment, and you can't, you can't direct that. You can't ask for... Very subtle. Yeah. Very subtle. I mean, none, none of the moves he's made were kind of traditional you know, you know, moves in terms of the camera movement. I mean, I really, really appreciate that. And it's his temperament. It's his temperament that you know, I love... Um, very calm and uh, very little words. You know, he's he's he's, he's quite a poetic guy actually. And uh, and I he he'll the, the process of watching him work or show or teach. Like I say, you know, the first few days I assemble as I go. Chris Wyatt, that's been working with me thirteen years, yeah, to we'll be assembling as we go, and I'll start learning the grammar of the film because I'll have my rules, I have my sense, and then there'll inevitably be the day where I've done this shot that I thought was going to be the bomb and I've done it like 12 takes <laughs> and I'll go and see the first cut and he's not used it and I'm like yeah alright I've got to stop doing that and so and you know and that's like they they show me that it's the collaboration yes it's like having a band you know yeah exactly I'm in the band Yeah, but I shoot them. So I don't know if that's a rehearsal. Did you guys have a period before you guys shot the film when you had sorry, I, the I, actress? Sorry? Did you have a period where you guys oh, had a period the of rehearsing? And you had, and yeah, you had I did. I did. A week I, and a half or whatever. I did a little bit. Like I, I, the kid, I didn't rehearse as much as um, I had an acting coach working with him. You know, he was, I put him through boot camp. I changed it when I got him. You know, he's a kid from abject poverty. Like uh, he was ADD'd up to the hill. I didn't want him taking pills for it. I changed his diet. Um, really, it was like a, attacked his diet, his 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 habits, the way he lived, and got him exercising, and and had him on a regime. And every day, he'd eat what I told him to eat, and I got him a dietitian, like a nutritionist, and really attacked it that way to get to help with his attention. And we had an acting coach, and it was really she was she was remarkable. It was just about you know tr trying to trying to he he's experienced so much, but at the age of four, his mother had abandoned him. Like he'd um, he'd, he's experienced hardship. You know, older brother in jail. He's a real, 
He's from the hood. He's a real yeah, kid. No, I, I can tell. And, I'm and more, he's more. he has a lot to access. And he can, he, and what we work with him is like just going, giving him permission to access his own experiences and learning to like, to give things little moments in inner life so that hopefully we can see it in the face. And just, so it's just exercises like that rather than working on the text itself. Because once we did that, it was just die to death. Um, and, um, and with people like, you know, with, with uh, Matthew, not rehearsing as such, we just, we, we discuss the scenes a lot. A lot of talking, a lot of discussing, of, you know, what, what the father's philosophy, you know, uh, the, the sense that he believes, he endlessly believes in the promise of America and, and that, you know, if you do the right, the right thing, you'll transcend your lot in life. And I talk about Dawn, who perhaps doesn't, can see through all of that, which is probably why she needs the opiates. And and we just we we discussed the text a lot, and um, but I didn't see the point in rehearsing it as such. And and then on the day itself, we rehearse it and, and put it up on its feet and shoot. Yeah, I mean, not too much, but he's he's a kid of little words as it is. Like, so you get him on the. Well, that's not entirely true. Once, <laughs> uh, but um, he's. You'd have to. It's like that thing, right? The, the, the scenes where I really went, this is a well-written scene, I'm going for the jugular of what the scene was and it should be, and it, it didn't quite happen. Sometimes when it doesn't happen, you can't fuck a dead horse. You'd have to, you have to pivot and kind of go, all right, well, what, what can I connect to inside of him that I might capture in the face? And he's, he's very subtle, and that's just how he, how he is. You know, and he said he in certain things he has certain instincts. He just wouldn't do certain things. He's like, no, nah, I wouldn't do that. And he didn't want to do it, and I wasn't gonna. And once I pushed him a bit too far, I was like, I didn't ask to be a f-ing actor, man. You know, <laughs> I love me it. and Matthew would I love laugh. It. So there's always a risk he wouldn't come back the next day. So he's like, <laughs> all right, all right, cool. Is that it? Yeah, they. they nice I need to go, Sam. All right, all right. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, you can find past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll have a lot more for you in the coming weeks as awards season approaches, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.